message from our lead pastor, Michael Signorelli. Prepare to go, C1. So if you're here and, and you've just been feeling useless, well, let me tell you the vision of this church is to help you realize and reach your potential in Christ. And uh, we're just seeing that happen. We had a whole bunch of couples making out yesterday at, at an Italian restaurant here on Long Island for hashtag refresh. Because marriage, no matter how hard it is, was God's fault. He designed it. So we're like, we need your help with this, God. And uh, he said, well, why don't you just go to Bertucci's and make out for a little while? And we said, done and done. <laughs> so I posted that on Facebook yesterday and somebody actually had made this statement. Well, we are called to be peculiar people, Pastor. I'm like, way to decontextualize scripture, but amen. <laughs> he, didn't mean, he didn't mean make out fest, you know. Um, but we are in week three of Endless Weekend, and it's just, this series has been so cool. And I want to just go on record for those of you, can we just give it up for those of you who are listening to the podcast right now, everyone who's just listening by way of the podcast. Um, we've just been, in, been able to touch a lot of lives, and uh, I try to give the visual, but my wife and I both wore black leather jackets today on accident. And I just need to publicly say that before you think we're that weird church couple that matches, even though I want to be that couple so bad like I told Julie I was like I'll wear a romper whatever you know I just <laughs> it's one of our core values at V1 Church is unity even in rompers you know and uh, everyone's like okay honey that's our cue let's go <laughs> but uh but I'm so excited just, just to be here to get into part three. And we're going to slam this thing today because God's got a word for you. The title of this message, I'm just going to jump right into it if that's all right with you, is actually the power of process. Why don't you just tap the person next to you and say, well, I'm just in a process. You know, look to the other person you just ignored and said, hey, I'm just in a process. You know, puberty is a process. My 10-year-old came to me the other day and she said, Dad, I've been gone for a week back in Indiana with my grandparents and it's time that I shave my legs, you know. And I said, Bella, if you want to be a liberated woman, maybe you never shave them. And that was also me just trying to hold on to the last vestiges of her childhood. And she says, I have one single black hair that just sprouted out from my armpit, Dad. She told me that. I probably shouldn't have said that. But here's the thing. Puberty is an awkward process. I swear I looked normal as a kid, and then I just got increasingly uglier, right? And I thought pu I was going to be an ugly duckling, and God was like, it's a permanent face. I like how Evan just hit a dissonant chord right when I said that joke. Good, good. He's flowing with me. Come on, he's flowing. But puberty is a process. You know, those of you in this room who are pregnant, some of you know you are and some of you don't yet. We'll pray for you next week when you come back. But there's a process called gestation. And that's a process. It's not an instant thing, right? We all look like little chicken nuggets from McDonald's at a certain stage. And then we develop into the beauty and the wonder of a Long Islander or whatever we are. And and, and there's a process, and many of you guys are going through a process right now, and it's a very awkward one, and it's weird, and one of your legs is longer than the other one, and, and you got one single black hair sprouting out from your armpit, 
and you're in a weird, weird, weird phase of your life, and I believe that there's power in that process. One of my favorite characters in the Bible is is a man named Peter. And I love Peter because mainly he screwed up and God used him to do some amazing things. And maybe you can identify whether you're a male or a female with Peter and just kind of always messing it up, but being destined for greatness because the Disney movies told you you were. And so maybe you're like me and you're just like, God, am I ever going to get it together? And maybe the answer is not really, but I'm still going to use you anyways. Am I ever going to be perfect? Am I ever going to have that perfect marriage? What if the answer is not really, but you're going to get a lot better at loving each other? You know, what, what if greatness looks a little bit different than the plot arc of a Disney movie and, and maybe happily ever after is redefined? And I want to look at what that looks like. So turn to your Bibles with me with uh, we're in John. We've been in the book of John for this entire series, if you haven't noticed. So you could tell your friends if you come back next week that you read the entire book of John. Uh, kinda. So we're in John and we're at chapter one, verse 40. And it says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother was one of the two who heard John's witness and followed Jesus. The first thing he did after finding where Jesus lived was to find his own brother, Simon telling him, we found the Messiah. That is the Christ. He immediately led him to Jesus. How many of you know that found people find people? All right. It's not something you have to teach somebody how to do. There was no evangelism course right here. Somebody found Jesus and found people find other people and tell them, I've got the greatest thing in the world. And maybe if you're not that person sharing Jesus, you haven't found the real one yet. Okay, let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. We, yes, we say well here. Well, that, thing's, that thing is moving. We need t-shirts or something. <laughs> Come on now and well. So... This church is increasingly hillbilly every week as the Indiana culture invades. Um, But you know, when you find the real Jesus, not the Jesus of religions and traditions and maybe the other churches that you went to or or the churches you were forced to go to, well, um, but Jesus, the man who is alive, the man who was raised from the dead on the third day for your sins, when you meet him, the man who actually cries, Abba, Father, and you're connected to him, you'll go find people. That's what we have here. Jesus took one look up and said, you're John's son, Simon, right? From now on, your name is Cephas, which means Peter, which means rock. And you know, Jesus never really asked a question that he didn't know the answer to already, right? And that, so let me read it again. Having said that, it's a little bit more rhetorical. You're John's son, Simon, question mark. Let me say this, before God gives you your true identity, he's oftentimes going to make you very aware of the one that you've received already. You're from that family, right? You're that guy's son. You're that guy with the reputation that every no, everyone knows about. You're probably a fisherman in blue collar, and that's all you think you're destined to do, right? He asked him the rhetorical question, and so I'm going to ask you this morning, and I'm going to ask those of you who are listening to the podcast right now, um, who are you according to you? Because if God can speak that and elicit the response from you right now, then he can release your true destiny. And this is what he said to Peter, and I love it so much. He says, I'm going to call you a name which means rock. Now, when the Messiah is looking you in the eyes and gives you a new name, that's kind of a big deal. And I can imagine for a second he got a little puffed up. and He was like, hey, did you hear what Jesus called me? He didn't call the other guys a nickname yet, but you know what he called me? The rock. And he was like, that's right, the rock. And, and there's a problem here because what do you do when your nature doesn't line up with your name? For those of you who are taking notes, 
The very first thing we're going to drop today is that commitment produces grace. You know, he was calling Peter something different. He was changing his name, but Peter's nature was still the same. And if you're anything like me, you can show up to church every single week and, and maybe you're calling yourself a Christian now, right? Like, yeah, I guess I'm a Christian, but your nature hasn't fully changed. I mean, maybe some of you in this room are still got a blood alcohol content level that might get you pulled over and in some trouble on your way out. Maybe some of you right now might not get that promotion on the job if they did a hair sample from stuff that you got in your system. I, I went there. Can, can we be real this morning? Because is any seal the doors. No, I'm just kidding. They're like, this is why I watch online church. You can shut it off. <laughs> But maybe if you're in this room, you've had a name change, but you haven't had a nature change. And it's time for you to have your nature change. And it is possible. I don't care what they tell you. Your nature can change. I was lost and now I'm found. I was blind and now I see. Does somebody want me to preach today? I promise you I'll preach. I don't even have my sweat rag, but I'll preach Number one, commitment produces grace. Jesus was committed to Peter. Jesus was committed to Peter. You know, a lot of times, if I was to ask you in this room, what do you think about commitment? Your default thinking would be, well, I'm not that committed to God, or my commitment is waning, or I kind of like flip-flop. But how many of you know that God is actually committed to you? God is, God is committed to you. That's why you're here right now. That's why you didn't die. That's why you've got stories about tragedy and near-death experiences and all this stuff that could have happened, and yet you're sitting in a recliner right now because God is committed to you. And commitment produces grace. See, I'm committed to my wife, and that commitment produces grace. When you're not committed, you'll quit real easy. Look at me on a run. Go on a run with me and see how much it takes because I am not committed to running. And so as soon as it gets hard, I just stop. You know, but when you're committed, it produces this grace. And grace means unmerited favor. It's the unmerited favor of God. And, and so Peter was withdrawing this grace because God, Jesus had this commitment to him. You know, this is kind of a funny story. When I first met Julie, I, I got rejected by, by her five times. And you guys know that story by now. And, um, and so persistence pays, right? Um, and all the stalkers said, amen. <laughs> and uh, the guy sitting in the corner, in the back. But after the fifth time that she said, and I asked and she said, yes, we went on our second date. And as soon as we got ready to leave, she said, okay, I love you. Bye. And that's weird because you don't say you love someone on the second date, right? But it was like one of those knee jerk responses. Cause you know how it's just like a thing you do. And uh, I had posted this online this week and people were cracking up, but, but it's funny because two dates in isn't enough to validate true love. And, and, it's, and it's funny to think about Julie saying, okay, I love you, goodbye. And then immediately she was like, oh, I mean, I don't love you. I like you a lot. And she didn't know what to do with it because it was like already out there. I was like, nope, you said it, you're mine. <laughs> Bam. Thank you, Jesus. That's the power of prayer right there, baby. And so 
The reason why it's so absurd to assume that somebody could love somebody after a couple of dates is because we all know that, and we said it, faith not tested isn't trusted. Faith not tested isn't trusted. And you've got to have a love that's been through something. Love not tested can't be trusted. And, and human love is different. You know, you can instantaneously experience the love of Christ and it's real and, and everything. But a lot of us are kind of like, we go to church on Sundays and, and out of a knee jerk response, we're like, okay, Jesus, I love you. Bye. You know, and two days later, maybe your name had changed by title. You're a Christian, but your nature hasn't changed. And when I look at Peter, what I see is a guy who really struggled with this. You know, I've got a commitment to my children. They, um, I don't want to change your children's diapers. I don't love your kids that much. And because I made a commitment to my kids, I'll go there. There are just things that you will do that you won't do when you're not committed. And what I feel like what God is doing right now in this room is he's beckoning you, will you make a real commitment now? Because it's actually through the process of making a commitment that suddenly your nature begins to change and line up with your true name. And what I love about Peter so much, man, is that Peter just didn't quit. I mean, he had his moments, but he just kept, kept coming back for more, you know? Um, and number two is this commitment produces patience. Commitment produces patience. When you're truly committed to somebody, you have more patience for them. Like you're willing to go the extra mile with them. And have you ever had a good teacher and maybe math wasn't your thing, but they were committed to you. And no matter how much you didn't get it, they try to get you to get it. Have you ever had a teacher like that? Have you ever had a parent that just, you know, maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but they just were patient with you because they were committed. And I just want to tell you today and with the most love of God I can is that God is committed to you. And that commitment is producing patience for you, even though you've messed up, because I feel like there's this condemnation and this guilt and this shame that is just robbing you of your destiny. And God just wants to tell you that he's committed to you today. And that commitment is producing patience. You know, if you've ever gone through like a customer service experience, I actually had did like a blog post about this earlier this week and then it just all randomly deleted. And that made me freak out because I was like, I don't have time for this. You know, have you ever done that? You know, like you get on the road or whatever. And I was just freaking out and I got on with customer service and they asked me uh, what was going on. And we started to work on it. And then they said this classic line that enrages you. If you have one ounce of Italian blood in your lineage, they said, thank you for your patience. And I was like, what? You know, and, and we got it going. But Patience is definitely something that God wants you to have through the process that you're going through in your life. Let me just tell you like this, Job, you guys know Job? Job is actually the oldest book of the Bible. Maybe there's a reason why. Maybe we need to learn patience first. You know, Job had to wait almost his entire lifetime to see restored back what God allowed to be taken. And the word that I keep seeing for today for many of you is the word trust. He's allowing you to go through these seasons in your life to just trust him more. And I think about Job just refusing to curse God. Let's look at Noah. He waited 120 years before the predicted rains came. 120 years. That is 120 years of looking like a psychopath to everyone else around you. 
And maybe you're in this place and you've got a promise that God's given you about something that you're going to do with your life. And you're many years into that thing and you still look like a psychopath and not like a genius. You know, the difference between a psychopath and a genius is the fulfillment of what they're saying, right? And so if you're Noah saying, I promise you, we're going to have this epic proportional flood that's going to decimate the entire planet. And year after year, generation after generation goes by, you look crazy. But there's a patience and there's a trust that doesn't make its way into the coloring books that we have for Noah. And it's something that we often don't hear about. It's like, what did it look like every single year on the anniversary that God told them that there was going to be this flood for there not to be a flood? And it's this trust and this patience through the process. Let me ask you this. What did God speak to you? For those of you who are believers in this room, what's the dream? What's the vision for your life? What are the words that other people have just spoken over your life that you haven't seen it come to pass yet? Abraham, he waited 25 years for his promised son. Maybe you're in this room and you're still waiting waiting for that promised son. You know, Julie and I's story is that we actually had two miscarriages. And when you go through that process, it hurts so badly. And you've got all these questions about God and all these questions about how he moves and works and why he allows things. And, you know, when you're a teenager diagnosed with cancer, you know, that, that just will cause you to ask some questions. But how many of you know that you're in the process? And there is power in that process. Because oftentimes through the process, it's us that God's changing. Not even our circumstances. Let me say it like this. Joseph waited 14 years in, in jail. In jail. Oh, this certainly couldn't be God. Because we kind of got this idea that God only allows the good things. And I'm going to mess with your theology for a little while. But there was something happening to Joseph. I can imagine. And their jail didn't look like our jail, right? I mean, it wasn't. And jail is not, no joke. We've gone into prisons to do ministry. But I'm saying Joseph was actually in, in a barbaric form, a dehumanizing form of jail. And he kept having to remind himself of what was spoken to him. And so when I look at people who can so easily walk away from God, who can so easily walk away from, from church, who can so easily walk away it lets me know that they're actually not rooted down into a promise. They're not rooted down into something that God said to them. Because once you know that you've got a word from God in your life, you will persist through some of the craziest scenarios in your life. It's like God shoves a football of vision into your gut and you're running across the line. And every single person who gets in your way, you're saying, I'm not going to release this ball until I carry it to the destination he's given me. And so it's like when God gives you a vision. And so for some of you in this room you're like why do I give up so easily it's because you are not anchored into a promise Peter as we look in in John this first chapter the reason why it was so important that God said no 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 I'm gonna give you a name change I'm gonna give you a destiny is because he had to anchor Peter down to his true identity knowing that Peter was going to be sifted and so it's so important for you right now that you get a full and complete understanding of who and what you really are. Because when the things come, and they're coming, when the jail time came for Joseph, you, he was like, but I had a dream. I had a dream that my brothers were bound down before me. And, and he had to rehearse that dream over and over. And I'm here to tell somebody in this room that it's time to begin to rehearse the dream through the process. 
It's time to revisit the vision through the process. And that's where you find the power in the process. Jesus waited 30 years before launching a three-year ministry that changed the universe. And sometimes in our society, we can't even wait 30 minutes. Fast food isn't even fast enough. I mean, we watch stuff on demand with Netflix, right? We binge watch shows. Like that, that would have been a dream come true for the nine-year-old me waiting for Saturday morning cartoons and the X-Men and loading a VHS tape player. My daughter, Bella, actually brought me masking tape and was like, is this what you guys use when you say tape? And I was like, that is crazy. She didn't even know. We had to wait to see stuff. And how many of us are treating God like Netflix? Well, <laughs> did he say that? How many of us are treating God like Netflix? I want to see it in my life right now. I'm not waiting for Saturday anymore. I'm waiting. I'm right now. And I love how even our, our form of uh, waiting has changed. I remember, I'm 56K modems were like, this is amazing. I can eat a whole pizza and load this chat room. And now it's just like, man, heaven forbid they start tapering down your speeds on T-Mobile because you have unlimited data. And we're furious throwing our phones. And I think that we've got to be careful not to let 21st century American Christianity infiltrate the word. And if God's telling you Go through the process, baby, you better show up and you better go through the process. Revisit the dream, whether he told you rain was coming, you keep reminding yourself rain is coming. Whether he told you that a sun is coming, you keep telling yourself a sun is coming. If he told you it was gonna happen, you keep rehearsing in your mind, it's going to happen. Can somebody shout me down this morning? I said, if it's gonna happen, you've got to tell yourself it's gonna happen. You've got to go through the process because there's power in this process. And I'm telling some of you in this room, and I'm speaking prophetically right now, you are in the season where it's about to be completed, but this is the very moment you're about to quit. And, and I'm here to tell you, and you know what? Joseph alone in that jail cell did not have the luxury of hearing what you're hearing right now. And so take it as a grace in your life because Jesus is committed to you that he's reminding you that the vision will come to pass. And there's somebody, even under the sound of my voice, that you've got crazy vision. You know that I was told it wasn't possible to do the very thing that you're experiencing right now in this room. And I'm doing it right now. Because you know what? If God is connected to what he's called you to do, it will prosper. And see, what he was telling Peter in the very beginning was, I'm going to call you rock, but the meaning of that name was you're going to be the very cornerstone of my program, not your own. And so the things that prosper in this life are the things that make a more accurate and clear picture of Jesus on this earth. And so if your role in life is to make yourself famous and to aggrandize your own wisdom, then God's not going to partner with that. But if you say, God, how can I use my life so that people know who you are more clearly, then maybe you'll go from Simon to being Peter. And today's going to be a day of decision. I've made my mind up. And I'm going to put you in the crossroads right now because you've got to make a very real decision about whether or not your dream and vision was from God or it wasn't. Whether you are destined to make a more clear and accurate picture of Jesus available on earth or whether you're just being selfish.
Because if anything that was selfish in your life hasn't prospered, you also must praise God for that. Isn't that amazing? Here's what it sounds like. Thank you for saving me from myself again, Lord. I messed up. <laughs> Thank you that that business venture simply did not work. It would have destroyed me. Thank you, God, that that girl did not like me back. She doesn't even appreciate the true beauty. <laughs> All the single people are like, I love this preacher. But sometimes even when through the process, things fail, there's a mercy in the failure. See, something was happening to these men, you know, and we've got to thank God. Now, here's what, as you continue to take notes, there's two different tests that God's going to take you through in this process. One's going to be a timed test. Have you ever done those in school? You had those timed tests for multiplication. And for us, when we were in school, you used to get a little scoop of ice cream put on the next scoop and you go up from the ones to the twelves. Was I the only one in that class? So there's these time tests that you take. And let me just tell you the secret to time tests right now. No matter how much you strive and kick and fight, you're not getting out until time is up. Has anyone been in a time test before? Okay. A time test is like when God appointed it to be over, it'll be over. Because he knows that thing is going to work itself out inside of you in a way that produces endurance and patience and trust. And you are going to be amazing on the other side of that. And so I always look at my life and I'm like, God, if this is a time test, and I believe that Joseph had this moment where he said, okay, I'll wait a second. I know I got the dream. Now I'm in jail. But I didn't do anything wrong to get in jail. And this ain't really my fault. This is happening to me. This has not happened because of me. Okay? So here's, I'm, I'm preaching and teaching right now. So if you can ask yourself, did I, is this happening because of me or is this, this happening despite me? That's how you know it's a time test. If you, if you are a victim of circumstance and this thing's going on all around you, you're, you're in a time test, so you know what you do in the time test? Okay, God. I guess I got nothing else to do but to worship right now and just bide my time until this thing's over because I'm about to pass this test. And you get down on your knees like this and you begin to worship out of that place and say, God, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to be faithful. And I believe that Joseph asked himself, God, am I in a time test? I didn't do nothing to deserve this. They were jealous because I even had a dream. And side note, there's going to be people who hate you just because you vocalize a dream. Did you know that? And Joseph's brother threw him into a well and faked his death because he even verbalized a dream. That's how dangerous dreaming is. And so all of a sudden he's in that jail cell and I, I believe that he got to a place where he was like, I didn't do anything to deserve this, so I know the dream's coming to pass, so I'm gonna worship through it. And so if you find yourself right now, maybe while I'm talking, you're thinking I'm in a time test right now and, and you know it, what's the response? Worship. Worship. Take the focus off of you and put it back on him. Now, the second kind of test is this. It's an aptitude test. And for those of you who like Dr. Phil as much as I do, he says it's because you're stuck on stupid. And I'm not afraid to say stupid for all you PC crowd. Because sometimes in my life, I've done stupid things. Am I the only one? <laughs> Somebody said yes. Kick him out. But aptitudes are this, a aptitude tests are just things in your life where you are stuck on stupid. You're not stupid, you have an intellect, you have a mind about you, but you're stuck in a mode. Have you ever been in the midst of the argument and everything inside of you is screaming, just stop, just end it, just walk away. And then this other voice is yelling even louder, turn into the Incredible Hulk, it's time. 
Am I the only one? You're, you're arguing with your spouse and you're arguing with your best friend and there's the spirit inside of you that suddenly knows the will of God is say you're sorry. And then the other voices, we never say we're sorry. <laughs> Am I right? You might be failing aptitude tests. God, why does it seem like I'm in this long season? We love spiritualizing it. We're in this long season of my marriage being terrible because you're mean. And the season will end when you stop being mean. <laughs> Peter was like that. And I love it because he got rebuked by Jesus, but he came back for more correction because he knew he needed it. And you see these pictures of Peter as you begin to look in the word where, you know, they're coming at Jesus literally said, they're coming to take me away now. It's my appointed time and, and don't even resist it because they're taking me to the cross. It's literally going to be the salvation of the world. And then as it's going on, Peter, who's stuck on stupid, was like, I know, I'll draw a sword and kill somebody for Jesus. And totally messed it up. And, and God in his mercy, and see, you see this patience with Jesus, like you see this endurance with him because of the commitment that Jesus had made to Peter. And, and you know, when you're in an aptitude test, you're gonna need grace. You're going to need mercy. You're going to need a church who watches you mess up and treats you like your future and not like your failure. You're going to, did you, somebody hear me? I said, you're going to need a church that treats you like your future and not your failures. You're going to need some friends who call you the rock and not call you Simon. You're going to need some people who remind you of what Jesus spoke to you. Do we have anyone in the house who will be that for somebody else? Can we be that kind of church here? that will remind somebody of their future and not their failures. I don't even want anyone in this room or anyone listening to the podcast to use the word hypocrite. It's demonic in origin because show me a perfect person other than Christ. And we're all going on this journey together, but here's what I love about aptitude tests. You can actually test out of a class. Let me say that again. You can test into a whole new accelerated season of your life. I mean, maybe some of you guys have seen this done in school systems where somebody comes in and they just blow through like several school years at a time. You can do that in life. And it's called passing your aptitude test. Not be, you, let me put it like this. You are not in detention. You're in the classroom. Stop flunking. Give yourself permission to stop flunking. Tell the incredible Hulk you will not manifest anymore. You know, and, and go all into what you've got. This is what I love so much. This is John chapter 21. Let's skip through. Maybe this is you this morning. John chapter 21 says this. So let me give you guys a story to kind of close this thing down. This is close number one. <laughs> this is close number one. So Jesus died. He goes to hell. He captures the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Triumphantly returns. I'm here. Now, if it was anything, if I was in his shoes, it would be like, how you like me now? And then the rap music would cue, and I'd be like, glory dancing like this. And I'd be like, ah, you thought I was dead, right? <laughs> Am I the only one? Like, there would be a victory lap all around. I'd be high-fiving all the Pharisees and Sadducees, <laughs> right? Jesus comes back triumphantly, and this is what Jesus does. And this is why it's important, because I'm going to preach to you in a few seconds, okay? It says this. Let's go to verse 15. 
After breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? So Peter went back to what was familiar, it was fishing. And when he went back to what was familiar, Jesus shows up. They don't even really recognize him because now he's got this glorified body. And so Jesus shows up and just slips in and says, hey, you guys want to eat breakfast? He's such an overcomer that he comes into the normalcy of Peter's life. Because now watch, this is the same Peter who's seen signs, miracles, and wonders come through Jesus. This is the same Peter who's watched demons come out of people. This is the same Peter who's watched the deaf and the blind open their eyes, talk, and people who were lame begin to walk. And on the other side of all the miraculous, only a couple days after Jesus' death, Peter goes back to fishing. And let me ask you this. Every Sunday after you come to this place, where are you going back to? What familiarity are you going back to in your life? What comfort are you going back? He said, Peter, I've called you to be the rock, the very cornerstone through which I'm going to build this entire church. Your legacy is greatness. And he went back to the blue collar job of fishing. What are you going back to? What are you going back to every single day that's so normal that it's not you? That's so mediocre that it's not the destiny that God put on your life. And all of a sudden, after they had breakfast, can you imagine just having breakfast with the resurrected king? And, he, and I bet you Simon probably felt pretty stupid, right? He's like, well, I guess this whole thing is real. <laughs> Have you ever tried to keep your dignity about you when God's just smacking you in the face with evidence? Well, I guess God is real. You're getting wrecked during worship. The sermon was preached for you even though I don't know you. And God clearly is reading your mail. All of a sudden, checks randomly come in. Everything's lining up. You're like, well, I guess I do have a destiny, God. Can you imagine that's how Peter felt? I guess maybe I'm going to be the rock that you said you would build this church on. And he says, Simon, son of John. He was speaking to the broken human part of him now. Son of John, son of dirt, son of dirt. I'm going to speak into the deepest part of you. Do you love me more than these? And I think the question that I want to anchor down into your gut today is, do you really love Jesus? Not do you love Pastor Mike when he's funny? Do you love the band when they hit the notes just right? Do you love the video when it captures your heart? But do you love Jesus? Because when you've got a love for Jesus, you'll go all the way, no turning back, V1. And he asked him again, he says, yes, master, I, you know I love you, come on. He goes, well, why'd you go back to fishing then? Why'd I have to have breakfast? Why'd I have to take you out to breakfast and make you feel crunchy then? He says, then the second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you love me? And he says this, yes, master, you know I love you. You know I do, God. You know I do, God. Okay, I'll go back to church, God. I get it. He says, shepherd my sheep. He gave him an assignment now. Somebody's about to get an assignment in this room today. Would you stand to your feet? 
Peter was upset that he asked for the third time, do you love me? So he answered, Master, you know everything there is to know. You've got to know that I love you. And then Jesus said, here's your assignment. Feed my sleep, my sheep. I'm telling you the very truth now. When you were young, you dressed yourself and went wherever you wish. But now that you're getting a little bit older, you'll have to stretch out your hands while someone else dresses you and take you where you don't want to go. And some of you in this room, when you were younger, you did what you want to do. You go to the club, you date those girls, you date those guys, you drink that drink, you smoke that smoke, you do what you want to do. But God's message to you today is, now that you've gotten older, you're about to be dressed and being taken somewhere you don't want to go. And let me tell you where that place is. It's a place of death. But you can't experience a resurrection until you first die. And so Peter, and this is the craziest part of the story, was eventually going to be crucified upside down. And actually, when they went to crucify him, Peter said, I'm not even worthy of being crucified like Jesus, so put me upside down. And I believe that, that he was every single time Peter screwed up, he was making a withdrawal from the future because Jesus was looking at Peter but seeing his face turned upside down and saying, I know what you don't know yet. You're going all the way from me. I know what, you, what they can't see. All the other disciples, all your friends and family, they think you're a screw up. But I see you dying on a cross for me, Peter. I see you carrying this kingdom all the way to fruition. And I'm going to treat you right now like how you're going to become later. And some of you in this place have really struggled why God hasn't given up on you. You've really struggled why you are still alive. And I'm here to tell you you're still alive because God's looking to do a future. And you're withdrawing a grace and a mercy from the future you. Because he sees that there's something for your life that you will go all the way. Thank you for listening. Your experience doesn't have to end with this message. Visit us online at v1.church and send us a message. If you would like to help V1 reach New York and beyond, download the V1 Church app for iPhone and Android and click give. Join us this Sunday for our weekend celebration. Directions and info can be found on our website.